<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into things that we've been uh, watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking about a Japanese rape revenge film, Exploding Teenagers, an Uruguayan thriller, and of course Hammer Horror. So basically there's a lot going on today, guys, so get ready. There's so much going on. But to start it off, we just wanted to be recording this on... Tony Kaufman's birthday, friend of the show, and we just want to reach out and say happy birthday, Mr. Kaufman. Happy birthday, Mr. Kaufman. I hope it's a wonderful day full of fucked up movies just for you. I hope it was great. <laughs> Yay. Uh, okay, so this Japanese rape revenge film. Okay. Hit me with the deets. So this is a 1973 animated film called The Belladonna of Sadness. It is directed by Ichi Yamamoto, and it is a peasant girl, A peasant woman is raped by a local lord on her wedding night, and to take revenge, she makes a pact with a devil, who appears <laughs> as an erotic sprite, which means he he is a giant penis, and transforms her... <laughs> wait, 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 what? Seriously? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, basically, she makes a deal with this penis devil, and then he... I love that. Basically, like... She re- she like gets revenge on the town that completely abandoned her, and it's like, it is the trippiest shit I've ever seen. Like it's very much very hallucinogenic style art. It's very sexual. Like the devil starts off as a tiny little thing that goes inside of her, <laughs> and oh. then as they the more like the like every time they meet, he gets bigger and bigger until he's a giant penis. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of sexual violence in it. It's pretty gratuitous but there was something about it that i like it was really different and a really fascinating representation of rape revenge and 
like sexual violence through animation, like you know what's happening, but it's a little bit more abstract. He definitely is a penis. Oh, he's definitely a penis. <laughs> definitely. A penis. I'm looking up art right now, and wow. Yeah, he. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Did you like it? I loved it. Like, I absolutely adore. It's not gonna. It's not for everyone. It's very, very graphic and very, very strange. But I've really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy anything that's just like kind of about chronic human suffering. <laughs> but yeah. But what is this about a Uruguayan thriller slasher? Horror? Yes. So it's called The Last Matinee. And it okay. premiered, uh, I think it had its North American premiere um, at Panic Fest right now. Mm, okay. It's set in 1993. And it follows this young woman That's named... the year I was born. <sighs> Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just want to point out that for once, I'm not the one that is like establishing my age as being like old, although I guess I just technically am because you just, uh, you know, anyway, I said nothing. I merely stated a fact. You're absolutely right. You did just state a fact. I only stated a fact. (laughs) But it made me feel old. Well, that's your fault. That's just like your opinion, man. (laughs) Wow. All right. So this was set when I was 12. (laughs) And it follows a young woman named Anna who is studying for an engineering degree. And she has a part-time job as a projectionist at this old classical theater where her father works. And she has studied under him for since she was like five years old. So she knows how to run it. So she offers to give her dad her, he's kind of aging and he has some health issues. So she offers to give him a night off and take the final night shift. And mm-hmm. it's a slow night. That's a cavernous theater. And my God, Mary Beth, did it make me miss theaters? It's like it has Ugh. that kind of classical design where it's like the red seats and it's just this huge auditorium with a balcony. And you could almost like smell the stale popcorn smell. Like it just gave me such a desire to be back in the theaters. Like, I made me realize oh it. I can't fucking wait. I'm almost all the way vaccinated. And then I'll like, I just cannot wait to go back into a movie theater. It's been way too fucking long. I know. So it's a slow night. The theater's fairly empty. There's like, you know, a couple on a first date in the back. There's an old man, a trio of like drunk teenagers sneak in. And there's this young kid who is like darted past the the usher and has been hiding because he wants to see this R-rated film. Mm-hmm. But there's also a man in a rain jacket with leather gloves who is stalking the audience <gasps> members one by one. That's right, Mary Beth. It is a Neo Giallo from Uruguay set in a theater. Oh, I would like to see it. It's so what the fuck? fucking good. It is. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yes, it is incredibly violent. There's enough I torture in this to make Fulci happy. Oh my god. It's it's shot so beautifully. There's so many reds and greens and the the theater itself, the stage design is is gorgeous. 
Uh, this movie is this movie fucking rocks, and I gotta Hell say, yeah. it just was announced this week, I believe, actually, that um, Dark Star Pictures has picked it up, and they've been picking up <gasps> some very interesting films. They really have. Dark Star has been kind of killing it, though. I feel like they're picking up like the really. I feel like they're the they're the new ones, like picking up the cool, weird, yeah, um, like f- debut features or like lesser known features and making them pretty like pretty big like they did honeydew right they did honeydew um they did private chat pvt chat oh my god pvt chat is so good attack of the demons oh yeah wow they're really grabbing like some cool shit and this seems like right up their alley it's like high concept it's it's gory oh my god it looks beautiful it is beautifully shot it this this movie i absolutely loved it surprised the hell out of me how much I really enjoyed this film. That's amazing. Neo, you said man in a leather jacket and gloves. And I was like, oh, my God, is it a giallo? Uh, <laughs> I know. And you can tell that like Fulci and Argento and some of the other Italian horror maestros, like you can tell that this is definitely an inspiration for them, as well as like some theater set horror, like Demons, which is an Italian horror film, but also like popcorn from the 90s. Like it, it really... It's 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 phenomenal, and I cannot wait for everyone else to be able to see it. I'm so excited. That sounds phenomenal. But speaking of gore, let's I, talk about <laughs> Exploding Teens. I finally watched Spontaneous. Uh, did you love? I loved it. I cried like a baby. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. I did not know that that kind of movie was going to punch me in the gut and grab my heart and then make me cry like two in the morning. I'm telling you, it's it's definitely <sighs> one that like weaponizes the young adult tropes and like sucker punches you with them. I love it. Like <laughs> the stress of existing just like manif- is like translated into just randomly exploding teens. Yeah, it it's so accurate for both now and being a teenager in general. Yeah, but it is so sad and so well done. And I was telling Terry this, I compared it almost to a new version of Juno, not in subject matter, but like in the way that the characters are written and the t- they talk and kind of is dry humor, but like warmth that goes through it. So I kind of got Juno vibes in terms of like how it tries to be kind of hip and funny. So I absolutely adored it, and I cried, and the performances were absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I just loved it. Mm. It's so good. It's so good. And I, you know, honestly, like it, you, you can see why now it was like my in my top ten from last year. Yes, a hundred percent. It would have been in my top ten last year. I figured. I figured it'd be right up your alley. And I love that people are discovering this now, as it's like you know hit Hulu and is you know progressing outward because it's. It's so good. I'm glad right. you loved it. Me too. And I just want to say quickly, I also watched Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen what? One, two, and ten now. Yep. What'd you it think was about fucking it? ridiculous. I knew nothing <laughs> about it, and I did not realize like it was in the future. Like <laughs> I don't know how I thought he was going to get into space, but it was <laughs> not this way. <laughs> it was not this way at all. That's all I really have to say. I had a very, it was like a Thursday night and Steve just looked at me and goes, you want to watch Jason X? (laughs) And I was like, I do. I really do. Also, I'm very glad I'm marrying you. (laughs) (laughs) Had he seen it before? Yes. (laughs) It was like, it's so fucking stupid. I'm like, I'm so excited. So we watched a really stupid fucking movie and it was so much fun. I love that though. 
I, you know, yeah. I haven't seen that one in forever. I should go revisit it. It's pretty fun. Like, it's dumb, but it's a fun yeah. watch, which I was glad I was happy for. But <laughs> speaking of dumb watches, though, I don't know if it actually is dumb. What is this? Movie, if people Mortal don't know Kombat. already. <laughs> oh my god, tell me everything about Mortal Kombat. Is it good? Yeah, yes, yes, it is. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, I guess um, good is a strong word. Is it fun? It's probably a better way to put it. It's a lot of fun. It, okay. it starts so, you know. <laughs> So there's a there's a it starts with a cold open set in like uh, I think it's the 1600s where mm-hmm. in mortal form the guy that would become uh, Sub Zero shows up at Scorpion's the guy that would become Scorpion's house mm-hmm. and his basically kills his wife and his son and then kills him and that his daughter he doesn't know that he had a daughter and Raiden comes in and takes the daughter and escapes and then it cuts to now where we follow. This this cage fighter who his only knack is that he can take a beating. He's not a very good fighter, but he takes a beating, and so he gets paid basically to be a punching bag bag in these in these cage fights. And he has this Mortal Kombat symbol on his on his his belly or his like chest, I think. Yeah, it's it's on his chest. And then Jax shows up one night at at a at a fight and. All of a sudden, they're on the run with Cole's family, his his wife and his his daughter, because Sub Zero is after him because he is trying to kill all of Earth's champions before this tenth tournament would come and potentially open up the gates to Outworld and cause chaos and destruction that would rain down in, on Earth. And so they're basically the evil guys are basically cheating and trying to under the the assumption that if they can kill everyone before there's a tournament, they'll win by default. Q Armageddon. And so it starts out as a chase film as Sub-Zero and a variety of uh, monsters are chasing after them. And then it becomes a Karate Kid movie where they're trying to learn their own special power because at this point, none of the heroes know that they have any special powers. And then it Mm. turns into the kind of tournament movie that you're expecting. But it plays out in three different kinds of parts, really. And it just sort of, because most of it is a chase film, it sort of just introduces characters and then runs with it. So if you don't know your Liu Kang's or your Sonya's or your Jax's or your Raiden's or your Melina's or your Goro's (laughs) from anyone else, you will just be seeing people show up in like a blaze of glory and not really know what's going on. So Okay, so they're like hoping that you're familiar with the franchise. Yes. Or at least they made it for people who are familiar with it. Okay. Because there's not a whole lot of time for character development. There's not a whole lot of time for any of that kind of stuff. It is basically just go, go, go from the very beginning. Okay. So if you don't know who Sizoff is, or you don't know who any of those types of... Uh, there's one called, uh, gosh, what was her name? Natara, or your Cabal, or your General Rikos. Or your Kung Lao's? I have literally, I have literally no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> they will show and like, up, and you'll be wow. like, "Okay, who are these people?" And that's that's about all we have to go on. But fans of the series will be like, "Oh God, that's Natara, who I didn't know existed. I had to actually Google to see 
who she was. Oh, okay. That makes me feel better. I was like, I, I know a, d- a decent amount, but I guess I don't know that much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the fights are really good. Uh, the action is really good. I think that they created so Cole is the main character and they created him for this movie. And mm-hmm. he's not as interesting as any of the other characters in the movie, which is <laughs> unfortunate. But I will also say, though, that it's kind of refreshing to see this big budget action movie where most of the cast are people of color. Fuck yeah. And that's pretty fucking amazing. That is really fucking amazing. Sweet. Oh, my God. So, yeah. That's amazing. I'm it's excited. a lot of fun. And if you're listening to this on Friday, it's already out for you to watch. So enjoy it, y'all. Mortal Kombat! Okay, so now on to Hammer Horror. This week's Hammer Horror. Terry, what do we watch? Well, not to take the whole energy out of the room, because we've like talked about some really weird and exciting types of, of films right now. We watched Hands of the Ripper and uh... I'm so I'm so <laughs> bummed because I was like so excited. I was like, yay, we're going to watch it. I'm so excited. And <laughs> so it's about Jack the Ripper comes home one night as he's being like chased through the streets. His wife finds out, discovers that he's Jack the Ripper, kills his wife in front of his daughter and then I don't know what happens to him. He just sort of vanishes. Disappear. Well, because like the real Jack the Ripper. Okay, I have a lot of feelings about this because of Jack, like Jack the Ripper, whatever. But Jack the Ripper supposedly like disappeared and they never found him. So I think he just like escaped, I guess, because I'm um, or like no one, no one knows to this day what happened or who it was. So that I kind of just assume they did some weird like, and he disappeared shenanigans. <laughs> I don't know. And then we cut two years later, and she is now a young woman who is working for a fake psychic slash uh, madame. Yeah, the madame part I wasn't really expecting. And, <laughs> and she sells Anna Anna's virginity to a member ugh. of parliament, which yeah. is um gross, <laughs> to put it extremely lightly. And, the gender yeah. politics in this movie are kind of gross. Ooh, I have so many problems <laughs> with the gender politics of this movie. <sighs> this poor girl who has gone through like un- like unbelievable trauma is, you know, she has what they're calling a split personality, everyone's favorite. And it's not even about her, which was, I think, what was most frustrating, like, it was mostly about the men trying to figure out what's wrong with her and be like, why, who are like, why is she committing these murders? We have to cure her. Um, so she's treated kind of like an object and she's always either asleep or under the influence of her father. Ugh. <laughs> and then this guy who was like her dad, her father figure kisses her at the end and it Ugh. triggers her. And then it triggers her personality changes. This means like she had, her trauma was triggered and then, <laughs> Every time her trauma is triggered, she stabs somebody, which is my favorite because most of the time, where the fuck do those knives come from, Terry? Where the fuck <laughs> does she get all these knives? What, you don't just like walk around with like <laughs> hidden knives in, in your in your nightgowns and your dresses? I've, and... I have never in my life done that, but I guess I'm just like missing out. <laughs> I mean, obviously. I was, I was dying. I was 
like, where is this woman getting all of these weapons? Now, I do have a question. Do you because I wasn't quite sure from from what you were saying. Uh, do Do you think that she did have a split personality in in the movie, or do you think she was? Being I don't possessed? think she did. I think she was actually possessed. But okay, I, I was me too. I was just I was, just, I was just saying like split personality and scare quotes because that's what everyone yeah. else was saying, and it was like, oh, this woman is crazy. But no, yeah. I think she was. Pos- I think she was possessed. One hundred percent. I mean, that was my reading too. I just wanted to to verify because I'll be honest. Uh, this movie was kind of uh, boring. Yeah. Um, and there were times <laughs> where I did find myself sort of focusing on other things. I'll be honest. I, yeah. Now there was this really. I mean, the the so the the kill sequences are kind of fun. I thought they were fun. I think they were pretty creative. And the thing is, like, I love a I love a killer, like a lady killer. But she was not a fun lady killer. She was like a poor young girl who had just been absolutely traumatized. And she really had like absolutely no autonomy over her body, regardless of if she was like triggered and possessed or if she was hypnotized and asleep. Yeah, she spends her waking hours pretty much just being told where to go and what to do and go here, go there, go. You need to be at this at this fancy dance. You need to be here. You need to be there. And then mm-hmm. she spends her sleeping hours either sleeping or murdering people. So, like, she doesn't feel like she has very much agency in the film. Mm-hmm. And I really thought the relation, the relationship between her and the quote-unquote kindly psychiatrist that lets her in his house was really kind of gross, especially from the very beginning where she's give, being given a bath by the – the housekeeper and he just walks in and she's like oh it's okay it's just the doctor i'm like no this is kind of gross this This is really kind of gross it was it was kind of gross yeah i don't i i a movie like this shouldn't have such a cool name (laughs) yeah but also like okay jack the ripper is I just I okay Jack the Ripper like conspiracy theories I'm obsessed with I think they're wild I love Jack Jack the Ripper is a really like one of my favorite true crime things if this was a real Hands of the Ripper movie she would have been like absolutely decimating people yeah that's true like and like in a really I mean they can't do it probably that nasty but I was like where is the real like disembowelment <laughs> is that what he did I'll be honest I don't know yeah so he did really awful. Him. He did, he he his murders were pretty awful. He would slit their throats like pretty deeply to the point of the head almost like being off. And oh. there were he would um, disembowel them and take their uterus oh. and like their reproductive organs. Oh, um, none of that happens here. No, none of that happens here. And also, like you know, no one knew who he was, and no one thought he was like this gentleman with a wife and a child. <laughs> <laughs> A fascinating, a fascinating interpretation of the Jack the Ripper legend. <laughs> I did love, though, that whenever she would be possessed by him, there'd be like shots of, of her hands and it would be his hands and it would be like gnarly looking because he had some like yes weird facial th- stuff going on. And I guess that continued on with, with his like body because his hand, it would show like his hands and they would be kind of, I don't know what they were, growths of so, some sort. I I think it was I thought it was syphilis. Okay. I and I only think that because I know so much about Jack the Ripper <laughs> and that period of England and how just there was a lot of syphilis 
not that his wife did, but he probably he was with prostitutes and he he his um victims were all sex workers. Then that was that's the big uh, mind leap that I made was that it was syphilis. It might be too smart for this film though, Mary Beth. <laughs> I know. I tried. <laughs> yeah, so this is probably my least favorite of the uh <sighs> yeah. hammer horrors that we've watched. Honestly. You know, I I think it seems like when they're going for the the gothic type of movies, they seem to do really well. But like when yeah. they stray from that, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that and how like there's some things they do really well and some things that they don't. The stories are not as well written or the characters aren't as compelling. I yeah. guess like especially coming off the high of Curse of Frankenstein. Oh, I know. Like, no, nothing can top that movie. No. Anyway. Yeah. So, okay. So that was Hands of the Ripper. Terry, what are what Hammer Horror are we watching next week? Next week, um, we I think we might be finishing up our Hammer Horror uh, deep dive for right now, at least. with And I hopefully we're ending on a high note. I know a lot of people like this one. Or it's been like reappraised recently, I should say. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde from 1971. I'm so excited. I know that friend of the show, Drew, who was on the podcast, talk about Psycho, mm-hmm. she named her her kind of i think her business sister hide after yeah. this movie and she really speaks very highly of it so i'm very excited to finally watch it particularly after her recommendation yeah me too and then Mary Beth, who are we talking to on monday on monday we are talking with travis stevens the co-writer and director of jacob's wife and also the director of the girl on the third floor yeah and we are chatting about night school oh my god turning 40 this oh. year and y'all need to be watching this shit. This movie is good. Oh my god! I just got the Blu-ray in the mail. I have to go pick it. I have to go pick up pick up the Blu-ray from the front desk because I just got <laughs> here. I ordered it when we were talking. This movie is so good, guys. I'm so excited to have you hear the episode and rediscover this movie because it deserves so much more attention. And it was written by a woman. It was her first and only movie. So, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. <laughs> It's a good episode too, and I know it's I know really like we good. say that all the time, but like this one, I had a lot of fun discussing this movie with Travis. Like this is as much excitement after I watched Black Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, yes, yeah. So imagine like that level of hype. Oh my god! Sorry, and now I'm like thinking about night school. <laughs> um. <laughs> so listeners, though, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you watched uh, one of the films we talk about talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for what we should move on to after Hammer Horror? Um, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Treadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please give us some reviews, some ratings, and make sure to hit that subscribe button. I'm going to turn into a YouTuber. I'm pointing down on the screen as if there's a subscribe button right there. Smash it. Smash that subscribe button. Smash that like. Hit that subscribe (laughs) (laughs) um sorry we've lost our mind everybody we've lost our mind everyone so thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everyone for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time Thank you.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>